Hello, and welcome to another episode of Read and React. I am Ben Ladner, a proud native and current resident of the city of Atlanta, Georgia. And joining me on the other line is from the great state of Pennsylvania, John Sauber. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing really good. Uh, I mean, uh, we'll leave it at that, but I'm doing really good. Uh, also excited because we're about a little over a month from basketball, uh, which seems kind of crazy. Like it just ended and we're about to go into the flurry of the offseason, so... We'll knock out some of these uh, artists formerly known as postmortems, figure out a name for them, and talk about some teams today. Yeah, and what a flurry it will be because we are admittedly a little behind on these, but we, we do Whoops. want to hit all 30 teams. Uh, and we're going to do that today by starting with the reigning NBA champions, the recent, recently crowned NBA champions, the Los Angeles Lakers. They don't have a particularly intriguing offseason. Uh, Anthony Davis will be a free agent, but it seems pretty clear that he's going to re-sign. I don't see a compelling reason why he would leave at this point. So I'll just sort of frame it this way to you. At this point, knowing nothing that's going to happen in free agency or in the draft, are you thinking about the Lakers as the title favorites for the 2021 season? Um, I, I mean, if I had to pick a team to be title favorites, I would say yes, but I don't know that I'm prepared to pick any team just because it, honestly, it's the, the, sort of looming unknowability of the Warriors uh, and what that team becomes and, and, you know, what they are right now. Like if they, if they did nothing this off season, there is reason to say that they're the title favorites. Um, plenty of good reason too. They, I mean, they, they were dominant, the, you know, the, the mid 20, 2010s, whatever we're calling them. Uh, I can't, I can't sort of overlook the fact that the Lakers won a title like a month ago. You know, it's, it is not that long ago that they literally won the NBA championship in a neutral environment. Um, so yeah, I, if I had to pick a team, I would pick the Lakers, but if, if not forced to pick a team, I don't think I would declare anyone a, a sort of preordained favorite at this point. I think I would lean Lakers at this point too. And admitting that there is probably some recency bias that goes into that, because like you said, they just won the championship. Uh, they were 52 and 19 last season with a plus 5.6 net rating. That was only fifth in the NBA uh, in the regular season, but obviously they turned it on in the playoffs. And, and like you said, looked really, really dominant for a lot of that stretch. Uh, their key free agents, in addition to Anthony Davis, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Avery Bradley, and Rajon Rondo all have player options. And Markeith Morris, Jared Dudley, and Dwight Howard are all going to be free agents. I don't view any of those guys as necessarily essential to have back, other than like maybe KCP, who is going to control his own fate in that sense. And if he opts out, then it'll, it'll become a little more imperative that they try to re-sign him. But given the way that this market or that this free agent market could look and, and the way the salary cap could be impacted. It seems like a pretty smart play for KCP to opt in because it's, there's no guarantee he'll get eight and a half million a year on the open market. And if he can get this extra year on a, a championship contender with that sort of security, with the ability to then enter the 2021 free agent class that could, you know, behoove him on the other hand, He's going to be one of the better free agents in the 2020 class, and 2021 class is pretty loaded. So it actually might be better, depending on how the cap looks, for him to enter free agency now um, and then try to maximize his earnings. But again, we just don't know what those earnings are going to look like because of the way that the, the salary cap – we don't even know what the salary cap is going to be for sure at this point. I don't know, what's your sense? If you're the Lakers, are, are you really trying to get particularly Morris and Howard to stick around next season? 
So real quick on, on KCP, I actually think he would be smart to opt out here. Uh, and the direct comparison, and I think it was Brian Windhorse made this comparison, is to J.R. Smith on those Cavs teams. Uh, he's a clutch client. LeBron likes him. He just played incredibly well in the playoffs. And LeBron, LeBron is going to be livid if you let him go. So you can sign him to, you know, you know, I don't think 345 is outside the realm of possibility for KCP if he re-signs with the Lakers. I think he should opt out. He will have a market, like you said, that's just a weak class. And I would expect a bunch of teams to have interest. We'll see what he wants to sort of chase. Uh, but make no mistake about it, even if I say differently when he's playing terribly in the regular season, Rajon Rondo can make a difference in the playoffs. You know, and a playoff team will be lucky to get him, uh, you know, and even though it may not seem that way in, in the doldrums of, I guess, what, March and April and May this year or whatever the schedule ends up looking like. But uh, I think some team will benefit from getting him. And if it's not the Lakers, that's actually kind of a big loss for a team that doesn't have a lot of guys that can sort of run an offense uh, and, and get Anthony Davis the looks he needs. Yeah, I, I think I agree with most of that. The other thing I would say is I still have a lot of the concerns that I had before and during the playoffs about the Lakers. You and I discussed those at length several times over the course of the playoffs. I still think they're light on creation outside of LeBron. Um, I still think they're light on like two-way guys that you can trust around LeBron and AD. Like We've talked about sort of this weird dynamic where they're, they're perimeter players beyond LeBron can either shoot or defend, or I should say shoot or play make, but not do both. And I still think they could stand to sign a guy like that and, and add him in, you know, potentially even like a starter level guy. They won't have a lot of cap space. They're, they're 5 million about over the cap, but they will have the non-taxpayer mid-level exception to spend. So they could maybe go out and get, you know, I don't know exactly who's on the free agent market that they could realistically target, but like someone who can handle the ball and space the floor. I know those guys are hard to find, but it, it feels like, especially as LeBron ages, they're going to need to have someone who can lighten that load on his shoulders, at least during the regular season. And then even in the playoffs, if, if teams are able to kind of tilt more towards him than they did this season, it, it's going to be hard for the Lakers to, to sort of find enough offense if, if they don't have those release valves that they at times kind of lacked this past season. Yeah, and Caldwell Pope and, and Rondo are sort of those release valves. Like, they're the only two on the roster at this point, especially because Rondo shot so well uh, in the playoffs. He, you know, he became a guy who could create for others and shoot. Uh, and, and KCP obviously can can create for himself to some extent and uh, can shoot in spaces of the floor well. But I don't know that there's a lot of areas this team can improve outside of just bringing those guys back unless they're willing to move on from Danny Green and can find someone that thinks Kyle Kuzma is good, which is probably not going to be an easy task. Because Kyle Kuzma is not good, uh, but you but know, that's if they, the thing. people in team, the league think that he is good. Like there is a team that will it's crazy an asset for Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, and I wonder, like, what I wonder what the Lakers could get for the combination of Kuzma and Danny Green. You know, I wonder how much of an upgrade they can get. Um, I don't. I mean, it doesn't get you anywhere near the guys that are. You know, you know what? Actually, maybe does it get you like Oladipo? We we really have no idea what that market is. Like, if the Pacers are that desperate to win now, is Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma enough if they think Kuzma's good? Well, I don't think the salary gets you there. I think it's really close. Oladipo makes 21, I believe. But I, if and, I'm the and Pacers, Green I'm makes, saying – Oh, I'm saying no immediately. I'm saying hell no to that. Yeah, I think that's a garbage trade for the Pacers. But, again, we are talking about teams think Kyle Kuzma is good. And if you can find the right team that thinks that – we also we, – we've said this time and time again because we talk about Oladipo a lot because he's going to be a key 
key focus this, you know, one and a half month off season. Uh, but we don't know what his trade value is. We talked about before a guy like Josh Richardson and, a, and an asset being enough. Uh, we talked about, you know, teams sort of not having to give up much because we don't know who Victor Oladipo is as a player. Uh, and maybe, maybe Indiana thinks Kyle Kuzma is good. Maybe they're misguided in that sense. Like you said, I would, there's no way in hell I would do that trade, but it's one of those, one of the trades that, that makes me think, because again, it's just trying to pinpoint Oladipo's value and, and the Lakers being able to take that kind of shot at upside. Uh, and you know, outside of Oladipo, there isn't that kind of shot at upside available unless they're going, you know, going to try and get someone like like an Al Horford who's on a big contract that the team's clearly trying to dump or, or maybe even an Eric Gordon from Houston. So I think the more interesting target for Indiana, if they're going to make a trade with the Lakers would be like a sign and trade with KCP. I think that would be a more realistic return for Indiana and the Lakers are sort of gambling on potentially getting that, that third star. If Oladipo can get to that level again, they're giving up more of a sure thing with KCP who fills like a clear defined role for them and was really useful in the playoffs, but they're sort of adding to that, that potential upside where if LeBron or AD gets injured, they have the, the guy who can step into the secondary role. If you know, there are few sort of secondary creators more dynamic in the NBA than Victor Oladipo when he's healthy, getting downhill, getting to the basket, making plays, he, he obviously brings a lot of what KCP gave you on defense as well, especially off the ball. So I like KCP to me is if I'm the Pacers, that's what I'm asking for. I'm saying, do you know, do this deal as a side and trade with KCP. If you want Kuzma, fine. You know, maybe you can get like Justin holiday back. If you want to, if you want to, I would it. not give up Justin holiday for Kyle. I, I wouldn't either, but maybe the Pacers would. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know. I'm looking for him, but um, something like that Kuzma may or may not be involved. I would be trying to trade Kyle Kuzma actively if I were the Lakers because he's old and he's not that good. And yet there's this perception that he's young and good, which if you can capitalize on that and, and kind of sell right now when his value is maybe higher than it will ever be on the trade market, I think that is the smart thing to do because I don't think he's going to help them win a championship next season. To be clear, he's 25. He's not old. He's definitely older than he's most people would young. assume. You know, right. He's people, young. He's, he's older than most people would assume uh, he would be, given he hasn't been in the league that he's long. He's younger than Buddy Heald. Yeah, which is not, again, not a high bar. Uh, I can't see any direct avenues to Oladipo outside of the ones we mentioned that, that feel realistic. And even the ones we mentioned, it feels like, man, is that really all Indiana's going to get? You know, which, which might be the, the, the response that, that happens if Oladipo gets traded. You know, people might just say, man, is that all they could get? It's what people said when they traded Paul George, and Oladipo's value is way below that right now. Um, you know, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers find themselves in that sweepstakes. But outside of a move like that, there isn't a lot of room to improve here other than getting some ring chasers for the bench. Uh, and I don't, I don't use the term ring chasers to like denigrate those guys. Like you can do what you want with your no, career. You can sign play a role on a championship team. Yeah. Like, pitch. but that's, that's the kind of guy that they should be going after. Uh, and, but I can't imagine there will be too many guys that will be truly impactful. Um, yeah. So I, I imagine this will be a Lakers team that, that looks pretty similar running it back next year. And, stays as a you know top two to three title contender regardless of the outcome this offseason and bringing on more veterans by the way could also be helpful if Danny Green is really as washed as he looked in the bubble because he he did not maybe he was injured he had that like hip flexor thing going on in the playoffs but even before that he looked kind of old kind of slow wasn't shooting the ball particularly well 
if he's that guy, like the Lakers are going to need some more help than maybe they anticipated when they first signed Danny Green a couple summers ago. Yeah, uh, I think there's you got to be concerned, and that's why I think aggregating him and turning him, him into another asset wouldn't be the worst idea. Uh, I don't know exactly who you go get, who really wants Danny Green at this point, if he is going to be that old and slow, uh, and, and looks like he might be trending toward the end of his career. Um, but I do think there has to be some value there, uh, and, and hopefully that they can sort of get whatever they can from him, because that's really their matching contract too. If they, if they want to go get any, any sort of value piece, you have to use Danny green to match contracts. And even then it doesn't get you to some exorbitant amount that you would need. That could be an interesting Oladipo trade chip, right? That's what, that's why I said green and Kuzma would work at the top, but like at the end of the day, like, is that enough? Like you don't have your picks. Like you you don't have picks. Yeah. I mean, you probably give them an unprotected pick. Or a top they, they, three protected like a couple years in the future on the off chance even, that you don't even have then the the Pelicans own all of their picks the whole way out oh, I believe right. as far as they can yeah. they they as far as they can trade them out I think next year once the next year not this off season once you get to next off season they can then trade it's like twenty twenty seven or twenty twenty nine but until they get to that point like the Stepien rule is going to keep them from trading yeah. the twenty twenty eight pick which I think is technically available to them right now yeah they're twenty twenty one twenty twenty three and 2024 picks are owed to New Orleans. And their 2020 pick they have, but it's the 28th overall pick, which isn't going to be particularly attractive. Maybe if they get a player... So they, they could the move Pacers the 26th like, pick. Yeah, I mean, if the, if the Pacers are like, hey, we like that guy that you drafted, or if they just say we want the 28th pick, maybe that gets it done. I don't know, but... I think trading the, the 2026 pick is now on the table for them, now that the league year will be starting. And that probably get Like, if you're willing to unprotect that... It's, I mean, it's, it's six years in the future. LeBron is, I would think, retired. But with him, who knows? Uh, you know, if he, assuming he's gone, then, like, you can assume that that might be a top 10 to 15 pick at that point. Uh, and, and that, I think, would, would make it more enticing to, to trade Oladipo. Although, then you're sort of teetering on the edge of, is this too much for Victor Oladipo, given his yeah. current state? And Because, again, we, we don't know the value. Like, it is – I. For a guy we talk about all the time and sort of trying to decipher his value, I still have no idea what it is, and I don't know if there's a player I'm more excited to see if they get traded, what they get traded for. And the Lakers, I think, makes sense as a destination for Oladipo for a couple reasons. One, if he is that guy, you know, he's he's a very scalable star, as we've talked about many times, and he'll be in an environment where he can kind of work his way back. He'll have two other stars around him. He won't be asked to be a first or even second option on either end of the floor, maybe on, on the defensive end. And then if he's not that guy, he still has utility. He's still a useful role player and no one makes use of useful role players like LeBron James. Yeah. And, and that's, you, you know, we, like you said, we talk about the scalability. It's not even scalability as a star. Like he can, if he's not as good as he used to be, he can still be good. Like Victor Oladipo with the Thunder was a good player. It wasn't a great player, but it was a good, useful player. And if he can even, uh, scale back some of the scoring he did in Oklahoma City, become more of a spot-up shooter, become more of a defensive uh, specialist, that's probably worth a first-round pick and in, in the negative asset that is Kyle Kuzma. Uh, you know, I would do it if I were the Lakers. Like I said, I just don't – it's really – he's the hardest guy to speculate on this offseason because we have no clue if it's going to come in as a team pay, playing paying for a star or if it's going to come in as a team paying for a depreciated asset that has upside. 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With that, let's move on to uh, the next team here. The Toronto Raptors, my favorite team in the NBA to watch. 53-19 and 19 last year, plus 5.7 net rating, which was fourth, one tick ahead of the Lakers. They lost in the Eastern Conference semifinals to the Boston Celtics in one of the better seven-game series I can remember watching in the last decades, basically since I've been an NBA fan. Um, again, I'll, I'll pose sort of a, a broad question open-ended to you, which is do they have a realistic way to raise their playoff ceiling next season? Because I think it seems pretty obvious they're going to be a good regular season. They have good players. They have a great coach. They have a, an all-star who's going to kind of raise their floor. The thing we saw in last year's playoffs is that they don't necessarily have that, that offense that's built for the playoffs. And it's, it's a testament to their coherence, to their coaching, that they were able to push the Celtics to seven games. But they just don't really have the offensive firepower in a lot of situations. And it doesn't seem obvious to me that they're going to be better from a talent perspective next year. So I'm wondering for you, do they have basically any path toward reaching the conference finals, the NBA finals? next season beyond just out raptorsing their opponents i i want to flatly say no but i don't want to eliminate this team from contention for a drew holiday for a you know victor oladipo we obviously just talked about him ad nauseum or for a player that they think they can get on an expiring deal that can really help them uh moving forward because i do think they're probably going to try and conserve space for Giannis free agency next year um but i I, it's so difficult to see a direct route to it. I, I, I think, and I may end up being wrong, I think that trading Kyle Lowry is probably your best option uh, if you want to wow. try and flip this team toward the future. Because like, it's coming, man. Time comes for everyone. And it's like, it's sort of nipping at his heels. Uh, yeah. he, he was very, very good last year. Uh, obviously very, very good when Kawhi was there. But he's getting relied on more. He turns 35 in March. Like, he he has a chance to be like Chris Paul for a couple more years, but he's got value now. And Masai Ujiri is sort of, in my opinion, too good to hang on to a guy that let's say you do get Giannis. Let's say the dream comes true for the Raptors. They are, they're able to go get him uh, next year. Kyle Lowry, that will be his age 36 season. Is he going to be worth 20 million, 15 million, or is he going to be worth five to 10 million, but you're going to have to pay him more. You know what I mean? Like you're, yeah, yeah. you're, you're building a team around Giannis that isn't going to be like, and you're going to have a contract or a player that isn't meeting the requisite value you need when you could flip him now and get real value or real assets that could fit with a potential Giannis led team or, or just the next iteration of the Siakam led team. Let's say they don't get Giannis. Like I think this is the time 
him to sell on Lowry. Uh, while he he probably will have another good year. You know you're not winning the title this year if you're Toronto. Like you just even if you out Raptors everyone, like you said, the conference finals is kind of the the peak for that. Uh, they just don't have the offense in the playoffs, and Kyle Lowry isn't going to create that offense. I think taking a a marginal step back this year. Uh, don't bring back Fred VanVleet. Don't bring back Kyle Lowry. Try and get some some more interesting stop lap stop gap level uh, ball handling. And and then sort of flip the roster around an attempt at Siakam and Giannis and, and Ananobi, you know, sort of not turning the page, but, you know, going halfway down it a little bit and skipping ahead uh, and trying to get out in front of of your next contender rather than, you know, taking another shot at this year. I think that's going to best prepare you for the future. And it probably doesn't lower your ceiling all that much this year either. Better turn toward the future. I think operating with – I hear what you're saying, but I think operating with the – presumption that you'll have Giannis like building a a Giannis team right now doesn't make a lot of sense because it it I mean even if it becomes less likely that uh, that Giannis stays in Milwaukee I don't think it's necessarily going to become more likely or or meaningfully likely that he signs with Toronto like that's not something the Raptors can necessarily bet on and I think part of what has been really smart about their team building the last few years has been that that they've positioned themselves to compete now, but also be a player in free agency. You know, be a really good team now with the potential of being a great team in a year or two. I don't know. I don't think you have to sacrifice being a good team now to be great in the future. To the point of Lowry and Van Vliet, I think you can trade Lowry or let Van Vliet walk. I'm not sure you do both because I think part of the reason they would trade Lowry is if they feel like Van Vliet is their guy and they want to roll with him moving forward, slide someone into that two-guard spot. Maybe it is a Drew Holiday. Maybe it's a free agent. Maybe it's whoever. Maybe it's Matt Thomas. I don't know. But It's not <laughs> Matt Thomas. Spoiler be, alert. It's not going to be Matt Thomas. That'll be a long shot. I was, I was just <laughs> – anyway, I, I think you trade Lowry because you feel good about having Van Vliet. Letting both of them go leaves you with Terrence Davis – and Matt Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I get and Norman Powell to his credit. And Norm uh, but, okay. So Norm Powell's the guy I, I, he'd slipped my mind. Yeah. Uh, but I, I get what you're saying, but if you're letting go of Lowry, part of it is to clear a little more space to be a little more active next off season. And if you're signing Van Vliet, unless you sign him to a one year deal, you're committing a lot to a guy that you might, that, that honestly, I don't know is going to be worth whatever he gets. I think he's yeah. probably going well, to get 18 Lowry, to 20. Lowry expires after the 2021 season. So you can hold right. on to him and still have space in 2020. Right. I just think you can turn him into another, a, a different asset or a younger, you know, a younger lead guard. Yeah. Like if you can get another asset and not lose the, the, the team you have this year, I think moving on from Lowry might be the right choice, even if it's the hard choice. Well, but isn't moving on from Lowry – sort of losing the team you have because Lowry's such an, but he's such an integral part of that team. I'm not yeah, sure but you like, can just say, okay, we're going to take Ricky Rubio. Like that's not, I, I think, uh, I think even swap. I, right. But I think like Siakam and, and Norm Powell and, and OG Ananobi and Abaka and, and the rest of these guys sort of are going to keep you at that level. Like as long as you have those guys, you're going to stay at that level and you can get a replacement level lead guard or a good lead guard. Uh, you know, you can find elsewhere. There are obviously other teams. The sun's just sort of uh, the easiest one to pinpoint. Um, but, but there are ways to move Lowry and not lose who you are this year while gaining assets and better preparing yourself for the future, which is not going to include Kyle Lowry. Point yeah. blank, he's like 
if he's still playing like this at 36 and 37, like I would be stunned. It is really, really hard to be this good this long when you play the way he does. And like, it's just, it's a testament to how awesome he is. But again, it's just, it's, there's an inevitability to it. The other thing they could do is they could hang on to Lowry, let him expire and then either not resign him or bring him back for less than he's making now. And the benefit of that, although you're not getting an asset for the future is you're also not taking on money for the future. So you're keeping your 2021 more open and then you have, you know, $60 million in cap space, whatever it's going to be. I think they're projected around 59 right now, maybe a little under 50, depending on what they do with some of these player or these team options and guarantees and et cetera. But you can give yourself a lot of flexibility just by letting Lowry expire and not taking on that additional money. The other thing they could do is they could re-sign Van Vliet, keep Lowry and Van Vliet this year, let Lowry walk in 2021 and sign a max free agent. Or, you know, they could let Van Vliet walk now, keep Lowry. There's a lot of different ways they can play this. To me, the smart way is to, to keep Lowry because you want to compete now. You want to stay competitive now. And I see what you're saying about how they have these pieces they can kind of plug in and, and promote Norm Powell and all that. I just think Lowry is so key to what they do. And he, and he does so many important things for them that it's, it's hard to just, to just be like, yeah, we're going to just have Van Vliet and he's going to do the same thing. I, I don't see that as, as necessarily a one for one kind of substitution. I don't think you're worse this season or you're, you're markedly worse this season. If you get rid of Kyle Lowry, you know, the worst fear is it's a culture disruption, which I don't think is happening under Nick nurse. I think they're pretty set there. Uh, it would suck, but you know, maybe Lowry's grateful because he goes to what a real contender or a team that can really make a, a deep run into the playoffs and you know that the Raptors are a bit capped from that standpoint. Uh, you know, maybe it's a team like like Dallas uh, who uses him as a, a one-year piece uh, next to Luca, which would be incredibly fun. I like it would that. get me watching. I like, yeah, that. and and they have the contracts that are expiring to match it. And you know, maybe they're willing to give up a couple picks in the future to to sort of preserve uh, their cap space. For again, it's another team that's going after Giannis while also amping up their team this year and not wasting a year of Luca. It gives you an opportunity to. Uh, to win now and later for both teams. It's a rare win-win if Dallas is willing to give up like two picks that end up in the 20 to 30 range. That one is, that idea is compelling to me. I think I'm still opposed to trading Lowry, but the Dallas idea is interesting. One thing I'm interested to watch is whether the emergence of Terrence Davis from last season makes the Raptors less inclined to keep Fred Van Vliet, who's going to be a free agent this season, unrestricted. Because David, Terrence Davis is good. He didn't play in the playoffs, and, and it seemed like Nick Nurse didn't totally trust him. But as an undrafted rookie, like he stepped in and was awesome and looked clearly ready to be a backup point guard in the NBA. I wonder, like, if, if you say we're going to put uh, Norman Powell at the two, make Terrence Davis our backup point guard, do you really need Fred Van Vliet at that point? Obviously, he's a good player, and he's helped the Raptors a lot over the last few years. But if his market is 15 to $18 million a year, do you say, you know, we can, we can pay Terrence Davis $1.5 million and get 75% of what Van Vliet gave us and, and use that money somewhere else? I don't know. I, that, that's something that's kind of been floating around in my head for the last few months, whether Davis's, Davis's play from last season changes the way they feel about Van Vliet's future in Toronto. 
I'm not paying him more than 15 million a year. Like I'm just, I'm not, I'm not willing to get there. Uh, even if Terrence Davis isn't good enough, like I would like go get Howell Neto, go get like someone, some lead yard off the bench who can be competent for a little bit. Uh, I mentioned Rubio, obviously not a free agent, but someone that's just replacement level can be fine because they are giving the ball to Siakam so much. Uh, they are giving the ball to Norm Powell so much. They're they're running an offense that isn't predicated on having a guy creating an isolation or pick and roll. And if that's what the offense is going to be this year, then so be it. And by the way, Van Vliet is a better player than Terrence Davis. I don't mean to suggest that you just... Without a doubt. But when you take into consideration what they're going to cost next season, it isn't crazy to, to say I'd rather have Terrence Davis on his contract than Van Vliet on his next contract with the extra room that you get. The other interesting thing with the Raptors, which we can't really say much about right now, is Mark Gasol's status. Obviously, Ibaka is going to slide into that starting role if Gasol goes back to Spain to finish his career, which has been sort of tentatively reported by a couple places, but I don't think officially confirmed. Uh, and then that, that obviously is a, a blow to them, which you know, maybe even as much as potentially losing Lowry would be in terms of their rim protection, their connectivity on offense. He's a really important piece that we just don't know if, if it's going to be there next season or not. I don't think losing Gasol is going to be that detrimental because of how much slower he looked. And because, like I said, I think this is a Raptors team that probably wants to play faster at this point um, and, and can do that without Gasol. I, Nerlens Noel is the guy that I would be, you know, clamoring for uh, yeah. the, the next month there are if a I lot were Toronto. Yeah. Nerlens Noel. Anything else on the Raptors before we move on to the Pelicans to close out? Uh, I mean, Nick Nurse is going to have this team in the playoffs as a top six seed. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, like, uh, that's what it comes down to. If you're gearing up for a Giannis run in 21, I think everything you do this offseason has to be looking at that, not at this. Yeah. As long as you're keeping Siakam, as long as you're keeping Ananobi, as long as you're keeping uh, Norm Powell, like, you're going to be uh, a top six seed in the East. So here's, here's a question before we move off the Raptors, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. Are you taking the Raptors or the Nets next season? Who's going to win more games next season? More regular season games? Yes. As the rosters currently stand. Let's assume that that no major moves happen. So no no Karis LeVert moves for holiday. Karis LeVert stays. Kyle Lowry stays. Basically the same teams. The Raptors. I agree. Who wins more playoff games next season? The Raptors or Nets? The Nets. But I think that's close. I think that might be like which team gets eliminated quicker in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, semis. it could be matchups. Like if one team runs into, they might be playing each other. Celtics. Like as a four or five or in the in the first round. So yeah, I think that's going to be the interesting sort of um, dichotomy to watch in the Eastern Conference. Those are two it's, very it's different just tough teams. When one team has Nick Nurse at the helm and the other has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving at the helm, it, the coaching takes a hit. Coach uh, Kyrie. Which is, by the way, it's it's more insane because of how awesome the staff is, except for Steve Nash, who could be good. Who knows? We just don't know. Like Mike D'Antoni, Ime Udoka, like Jock Vaughn, like it's a really good staff. But when you have players undermining it by saying KD could be the coach one day, like you're screwed. You're just already screwed. So, to Kyrie, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about the Nets too much. I really don't. But just like, just real quickly, it, like that does kind of seem to be the ethos of their coaching staff. Like you don't bring in Mike D'Antoni and Ime Yudoka if you're not going to let them have significant voices. So right, but it's, it's, it's putting a lot of guys on the staff who are going to play real roles. So the idea of coaching by committee, I actually think is yeah, that's fine. And is that's going fine. to be how Steve Nash operates because 
He's if you don't have an elite head coach, you need to do that. Right. And, and Steve Nash is smart to realize I've never been a head coach before. Let me get all these really good coaches to put on my staff so I don't have to figure all this out on myself. Anyway, we already talked about the Nets more than we should for a team that may or may not be good next season. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, last team for today, the New Orleans Pelicans. 30-42 and 42 last year with a negative .5 net rating, which was 16th in the league. They missed the playoffs after having just a horrendous showing in the Orlando bubble. And obviously the big news of the offseason was that they hired Stan Van Gundy to replace Alvin Gentry. Um, I think in addition to that, the big question is going to be what they do with Drew Holiday. And there's been reporting out there that he's on the market that potentially he wants out of New Orleans, that, that he's sort of the one pushing and giving that, that room momentum. Um, what do you do with Drew if you're New Orleans? Are you trying to shop him? Are you saying, no, you're too good, we want to keep you? Like, what, and and if, if, if so, like if you are trying to trade him, what kind of deal would you be looking for in return? Uh, I would shop him. I, I wouldn't like, it wouldn't be like an Oladipo situation where I would feel like I had to get rid of him. I think Indiana does need to get rid of Oladipo this offseason because he's not coming back. Drew, like, I think you would legitimately re-sign him, you know, next year. But, yeah, I would, I would shop him. And if you get a deal that improves the spacing on your team uh, for a maybe a notch, notch below as a player with an asset, I think that's the kind of deal you make. We just don't know if those exist. Like, I, I, it goes back to what about Oladipo. Holiday is so underrated in the NBA. He's probably a top 25 to 30 player in the league but doesn't ever get that recognition. I think Drew Holiday is the perfect third star on any team in the NBA and a a potential on a a, a potential second star, uh, depending Depending on how good – Yeah, yeah, on who the first star is and how good they're – like if you paired him with Luka, Drew Holiday can be the second best player and that team can win a title. Uh, If you pair him with Giannis, he can be the second best player and that team can win a title. You know, there, there are guys out there that you could pair him with and he could be the second best player with a major, major role in win a title. Is, uh, uh, is Zion Williamson one of those players? Zion Williamson is not. And I think that is the issue for this New Orleans team. Uh, honestly, if, if you're really trying to flip the page in your New Orleans and like he's not going to fit into your window, you probably should exhaust every effort to trade him. And as long as you get guys that are there long-term or long-term assets, then I think you should do it. Um, all 29 teams should be interested in Drew Holiday. I don't I like Chicago all 30 should be, teams. All 30 teams. The Pelicans should well, be. Only, if only like if he's saying like I'm not coming back next year, which right, by the way, right. based on everything I've read and seen like in the past, the way he seems, I don't think he's actually pushing that hard for this. Just like, yeah. hey, maybe if you can get me on a contender, that'd be nice. Yeah. 
like that's different than go, going full blown Anthony Davis, uh, which I would guarantee almost guarantee he's not doing. Um, but I think all 29 teams should want to trade for him and the Pelicans should want to keep him if they can lock him up long-term. Uh, I, I mean, it's, he's another guy that's tough to pin down the market for though. Like that, the, the Lakers trade we mentioned, that doesn't get anywhere close to Drew Holiday. I don't think like that is, that is not near it. Uh, so teams like the Lakers are probably out. The Clippers could probably cobble something together. Uh, Ooh, that would how, be, that would be a good one. Yeah. Depending on how they view. Who is it though? It's Shamit. It's, it's Shamit. It's Zubach. It's Harrell. No, Harold's a free agent. The it's trouble is that all of the Clippers' it's big the money. contracts are essential players. They can't yeah. trade a big contract for a Drew Holiday right. unless they want to trade Paul George. Right, and uh, I don't think that's happening. Um, but, you know, the, the Clippers should be interested. The Mavs, again, make a lot of sense because Holiday is basically expiring. He's a player option that I would assume he would decline after this year. Uh, so if they He's wanna... the guy, like, just as a quick note, he is – the guy you want next to Luka Doncic. Like when you talk yeah. about what would a point guard next to Luka look, because Luka's kind of the offensive point guard. So what would the quote unquote, the nominal point guard look like? It's Drew Holiday. That's the but answer. It, because even then he can, he can lead a really good offense. Like yeah. I, I want to be clear about something right now. Drew Holiday is eons better than D'Angelo Russell. Like it is not close, uh, and it shouldn't it's gonna be close. sideswipe D'Angelo Russell like that. I agree. Well, but- no, but we, but like that's a guy. Like people talk about D'Angelo Russell, like oh that that's a top thirty player, and and like Drew Holiday sort of gets denigrated by a lot of people. Like if you want a guy that can lead an offense efficiently, I, I say this because I mentioned Russell sort of leading you to a top eighteen offense, and like but that being your ceiling, I think Drew Holiday can lead a top ten offense with a higher ceiling depending on who you have around him. Like I think he is, he fits so perfectly in any scheme. He can create for himself. He can spot up and shoot. He's one of the best wing defenders in the NBA. Uh, he's fantastic off and on the ball defensively. Like there is not a single thing on an NBA court that Drew Holiday isn't good at. I know it feels like I'm just gushing about him, not actually talking about the trade market, but it goes into what you think is comparable value for him. Like if Dallas is getting him, do they have to give up Kleba? Like, I think they might have to give up Kleba. And I don't know if I'm doing that if I'm Dallas. Although he directly replaces a lot of what Kleba gave you as a wing defender um, and is just an improved version. I just don't know if it's worth the one-year aspect of it um, from that standpoint if I'm Dallas. And the fact that you probably have to give up more. Uh, I've seen Miami connected to him. I've seen Atlanta. I've seen Philadelphia. Like, all of these teams make sense because every team in the league makes sense. Like, and if you, if you have a win now window, you should be trying to get them. If you don't have a win now window, you should be trying to get them because you'll still be good in your next win now window in two to three years. I'm now thinking of a single person amalgamation of Drew Holiday and Maxi Kleba. And I think that would be my favorite player in the NBA. I don't know. It, it, It feels like it would be, it would be tough for them to beat any of the Raptors for you. That's true. Put, I was going to say, put them, put that, put that player on the Raptors and then, then we'll talk. Uh, no, the, the Pelicans are fascinating because obviously they, they have the Drew thing. They have the Ingram restricted free agency. Derek Favors is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Etwan Moore is going to be an unrestricted free agent. I don't really care about that. But the other key variable here that we haven't talked about is whether Zion Williamson can stay healthy because that was, that was the story of their 2020 season. I mean, as much as you want to talk about Ingram's emergence and Lonzo's emergence and all the guys from the Lakers, Josh Hart, how well they played and their depth and David Griffin in his first year. And now Gentry's out. If Zion is not healthy, this team is not interesting and they're not good. 
if he is healthy, I think I they think are. If they keep Drew, they're still good. They are okay. I don't think they're a playoff team in the West if Zion is not healthy. They'll be competitive for it. Like they, you know what I mean? They're not going to blow any teams out of yeah. the water, but I think they'll be competitive, especially with progression from the likes of Brandon Ingram. And, yeah, but, and well, but Ingram's progression sort of came last year, and they still weren't a playoff team. Could keep coming, though. It, it could, but, but I th- when, when a guy makes a leap like that, typically you see more of a plateau. Anyway, the point being, if Zion is healthy and what we, you know, kind of what we saw in his rookie year, this team gets really interesting, like really, really interesting. And the five-man lineup last season of Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and Derek Favors, plus 18 for 100 possessions in 624 possessions. Like, if that's the margin, I mean, that's not going to be the margin for a full season. But if that group is that good over a full season, this is a, a highly compelling team. And I think not a lock to make the playoffs in the West, but I think a pretty good bet to get the six or seven seed in a pretty stacked conference. But if Zion isn't healthy, if Drew's not on the team, if Favors doesn't resign, if any one piece of that unit is not there, it kind of takes the air out of the balloon a little bit. And Zion is, is the main, he's the main attraction in terms of entertainment, but he's also the main attraction in terms of their viability on the offensive end. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, we can get to this, you know, more of what they'll look like next year when they, when when they finish these moves. But as far as like the, the, the trade value of holiday himself, do you have a destination you think makes most sense? Do you have a package you think they should be trying to get? Uh, I have one that is crazy biased, but I also have more that aren't. Uh, you know, is, is there a destination you think makes most sense? I mean, you mentioned Dallas. I think that's the most interesting one because but I don't know that they can get him. I really don't like I, because the the market on him should it's it's the opposite of of uh, Victor Oladipo. Every like twenty nine teams are probably going to be vying for Drew Holiday. And, like, is yeah. Dallas's package of, of Kleba and Tim Hardaway Jr. and assets really enough? Probably not. Yeah, I don't know. Off the top of my head, not really. I mean, unless, unless the Pelicans want to take on Kyle Lowry, who I, I don't think that would be smart at this point. Right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, again, if I'm the Pelicans, I'm not trading Drew Holiday. Unless you just get blown out of the water with an offer, or, I'm keeping I, pieces. I, I think there's an element of doing good by a guy who has been nothing but awesome for that yeah. franchise. Well, and if, if he's he, really, if he's really saying, I don't want to be here, then not even, yeah, not even, I don't think he has to even say, I don't want to be here. If he's like sort of being passive, not passive aggressive, but just like sort of intimating like, yeah, no, I'd like to try and win a title this year, next year. Like, well, then you move him. Like if that's what he wants and you don't think you can get there, I think you should move him because long-term it's probably better for you anyways, if you're not going to resign him. And, and short-term, like, I mean, Drew Holiday has been – it's not just, like, the Pelicans. He's been awesome in New Orleans. Like, he's been awesome in that community. He's beloved there. Um, I, I think that's the kind of guy you want to do good by as long as it's not hurting your team. And I don't know that trading him hurts your long-term outlook, especially be. if he's not coming back. Yeah, that may be. I just think this is a team that has a lot of individual pieces that I really, really like. And in theory – should fit together as a really good team. But last season, partly due to injuries, partly due to COVID shortening the season, partly due to other factors, it just never was that finished product that it looked like it could have. It was not the, the whole that the sum of the parts would indicate it might have been. And if I'm the Pelicans, if, if I'm being optimistic about the Pelicans, I would say you give that time to play out 
and you let those pieces coalesce this season and hope that it's what I think that it can be, if that makes any sense. Yeah, uh, I just came up with one off the top of my head that I think is fascinating. Drew Holiday for C.J. McCollum and Zach Collins. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, what are the Pelicans doing with Collins? Are they letting Favors walk in that situation? Uh, no, but Collins is more of you're taking a shot on a guy who's only, what, 21? Yeah. Uh, and, and spaces the floor. Uh, they also need a backup center really badly. Yeah. Unless, and, and, and unless Jackson Hayes gets a lot better, he was not good last year. Yeah, uh, and, and Hayes could, you know. But even then, like, let's say you let Favors walk and Collins starts for you until Hayes is ready. Uh, I think that the gist of the deal really is McCollum for Holiday uh, because it fills needs better than those guys currently do on those teams because Holiday can do a lot of what McCollum can. Uh, I just think that's why Portland probably has to tag another asset with him. Uh, maybe it's Gary Trent Jr. Uh, you know, that goes to, to New Orleans. But McCollum is a more ideal fit next to Zion uh, as someone who can be, you know, a, a the kind of guy who can light it up on any given night uh, and is really – like for as good as Drew Holiday is, uh, McCollum's a better scorer than he is and better in the pick and roll. For sure. Um, and and you, you do have some of the defensive deficiencies, but I think no matter what with this New Orleans team, you're probably looking at Zion is not going to be able to defend well, and you can have one other player who can't defend well on that on the court at that time as long as you can get a rim protector, a wing defender, and a, and a guard defender. Like if you can get you know three sort of primary guys, you can mask the, the weaknesses of the other two. And Zion should be better, quite frankly. Like he yeah. – you know, there's reason to believe he will continue to get better defensively. We should note he was awful on defense. Yeah, putrid. He, there, were, there were moments where you sort of saw the instincts and the flashes, but there were too many that were the exact opposite of that, where it looked like he was being instinctual, but really just jumping into a passing lane that didn't exist and letting his guy back cut to the rim. Uh, just to wrap this up a little bit with, with New Orleans, because I do think the conversation around Holiday is the only conversation that people are going to be having about the Pelicans until something happens, whether that's him, it's deemed he's staying or he gets moved. Uh, it's, it's that Stan Van Gundy is an awesome hire for this team. Uh, as long as they don't give him personnel control, which they probably won't. It's a lot of the Doc Rivers is he sort of lost value as a head coach because he was given personnel control. And yeah. the, that is the his – The complex. Yeah, it is, it is his fault for, like, making those bad moves. But it's also kind of Detroit's fault for giving it to him. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's not good at it, so why would you let him do it? Uh, you know, he, he shouldn't be someone that's making those kind of decisions. But he's definitely an awesome developmental coach. I'm really excited to see what he does in New Orleans. I think that's an awesome hire. He, that's, a, that's another reason why Zion's defensive improvement is going to be so key. Because if he's, if he's just passable on defense and you can play him at center, that unlocks a lot of what Van Gundy wants to do or has, has shown in the past that he likes to do on offense in terms of playing small and opening up the floor. So, uh, Speaking of center defense, I will note that before the season – I predicted that the Pelicans would have a top five defense with Derek Favors on the floor, and they had a defense that would have ranked like sixth or seventh this past Is, season. Are we including sixth or seventh in the top five now? We're not. So I was going to say I, <laughs> I just missed it. So I was on to something. To but be I clear, wasn't if, exactly if we were correct. if we were to have to turn this as right or wrong, we would definitely. Call no, it I was wrong. wrong. I'm just saying. I, <laughs> I know. I know. I like know. It might have seemed. And <laughs> yeah. and again, Derek Favors. Still really good. And another guy, you talk about an underrated um, player among casual fans. I think Derek Favors. Still underrated. High, high on that list. Very, very good on defense. The Pelicans, I think, were like five points per 100 worse with him off the floor on defense. Um, That kind of tanked their season quietly when he was injured. 
kind of late February or so, whenever that was, and, and they just couldn't really get back on track once he got healthy again. And that lack of defensive presence with him out really did not do them any favors. So, um, yeah, the Pelicans are, might be the most interesting team in the NBA to me going into next season. We'll see how the draft plays out and free agency and all that. But I think at this moment, they are, if not the most interesting, then like second or third most fascinating team going into next season. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Uh, it's going to be fun to see how they, their offseason plays out and uh, should be fun to see what happens with Drew Holiday. Yeah, again, I hope they, I hope they keep the band together. I think this is a fun team. I would it'd be a shame to watch it uh, fall apart before it really even gets off the ground. But we shall see. Uh, John, that's where we'll leave it for today. We will continue cranking out these postmortems, or I, I guess team check-ins is what we should call them. Yeah, well, we don't really need a name for them. People know what we're doing. Yeah, whatever. We're, we're talking about these teams. We're going to hit all 30 at some point, and we will do that over the coming days as the draft draws nearer and nearer. Um, and until then, I will talk to you later. Talk to you soon. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.